Ephesians is where we are on our little journey, and um, we're going to uh, fly through this this morning, just so that uh, the uh, little bit of uh, um, that intermission to ensure that none of us got roasted uh, doesn't derail our um, roast dinners. Has anybody, has anybody got a roast on today? Is anybody having a roast? Whoa. Okay, Richard and Marion's then. Richard and Marion's for the roasty. Um, once upon a time, there were uh, three little pigs. I don't know if you've ever heard this story before. But uh, the first little piggy, uh, he built a house out of... Anybody remember what the first pig built a house out of? Straw. So... Um, he had not had a lot of uh, education in the construction business and um, he discerned, uh, wrongly, that a house of straw would be an adequate uh, facility for him to live and to uh, flourish and to be protected from, um, well who was he trying to be protected from? The big bad wolf. Not just a big wolf, but a big bad wolf. Well. Sadly, the uh, big bad wolf came along, checked over the construction uh, capabilities of that first pig, and um, he did something. He, he got out his um, survey equipment, and he assessed the situation, um, and he, anybody rec- remember what he did? Huffed. And sadly, for... Sadly for that first pig, um, his house was demolished. Uh, Then we went to the second piglet. The second piglet probably um, continued beyond day one of his uh, construction apprenticeship. And he decided to build his house out of? Sticks. Sticks. Built it up. The uh, area surveyor came round to assess the quality of his building. And uh, the big bad wolf did something again. What did he do? (laughs) Sadly, that uh, house of sticks was not able to withstand the uh, huffing and the puffing. So then the third uh, pig decided he would build his house out of? And the big uh, bad wolf came around and he did what? I didn't. No, no. He kept puffing and puffing until he ran out. I've got down here, he huffed and he puffed, and he huffed and he puffed, and he huffed and he puffed, and he could not bring down that house. See, the, the thing that we've got to take on board uh, in that very important uh, story is the fact that when you build with the right stuff... When you build with the right stuff, it will do the job that it was designed to do. So when it came down to piglet number three, uh, he decided, and I'm thinking he's piglet, he may be a, ma- be a mature hog, so I'm just saying piglet, but uh, when it came down to him building with the bricks, he uh, built with that which was more substantial, stronger, and able to withstand the uh, onslaught of the big bad wolf. When God built his church, he built it with the right stuff. 
one thing that we can say most definitely about God is that he knows what is needed and if he knows what is needed he makes sure that which is needed is in place to do what he is calling the church to do. But when you look at the building material that God used we might scratch our heads a little bit and wonder is this exactly right this is what it says in the book of Ephesians we're still in chapter 2 as for you that is perfectly focused mind you I have just had cataract surgery and I haven't got my glasses sorted yet so you're all slightly blurry today as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you were used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us who lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature following its desires and its thoughts like the rest we were by nature objects of wrath but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions it is by grace that we have been saved when you think about the right materials for building the church when I read those words from the book of Ephesians I think to myself um, that doesn't seem quite right it seems that this is a dysfunctional group of people a people who are disobedient to everything that God desires for them it says here that they were objects of his wrath yet even though they didn't deserve to be saved and didn't deserve to be called God's church he acted in love and with his grace he saved us he saved us so the truth of the matter is that when we think about um, how God built his church and is building his church, he's doing it with some pretty strange people, misfits, all with issues and problems. Can you just turn to somebody and say, I think you've got a problem. I can see you have an issue. There's a, there's a time of prophetic ministry even happening here this morning. This is a, a couple of interesting individuals. Um, Cesus was a, a pagan philosopher, uh, Celsus, and... Uh, this is something that he wrote. When most teachers go forth to teach, they cry, come to me, you who are clean and worthy, and they are followed by the highest caliber of people available. But your silly master, referring to Jesus, states, come to me, all you who are down and beaten by life. And so he accumulates around him a ragtag bobtail of humanity. This is a uh, colloquialism of his writings on the third century. Origen, who was a Christian philosopher, a theologian, he responded by this. He says, yes, they are a ragtag and bobtail group of humanity, but Jesus does not leave us that way. Out of material you would have thrown away as useless, he fashions men and women, giving them back their self-respect, enabling them to stand on their feet and to look God in the eye. They are 
cowering, cringing, broken things, but the Son has set them free. So when we talk about the basic constituents for building the church, what Paul is trying to uh, help those in Ephesus to understand is that you're a messed up bunch, but God really loves you. Everybody else might say you're useless and worthless, but he says you're priceless and valuable. And what we recognize is that God has built his church with people like us. You see, one of the problems is though, when um, you build a church, as we understand it, with saved sinners, for that's what we are, what we find is that um, you often bring the issues that you have from your previous experience of life to bear on the new life that God wants to see you released into. There was division in the church. This is why so many letters were written. And in the first sort of three or four years of the church, as it started to grow, it was mainly made up of uh, baptized Jewish believers. So they had stepped over from Judaism and stepped into an expression, a new expression of life called Christianity. There were no Gentiles in the church to begin with, just Jewish converts. So recognizing, of course, what a Jew is. A Jew is a person born of the tribe of Judah. Uh, all the rest of the uh, Israel have been swept away by invading forces. So you were born into the Jewish family, and therefore anybody else who wasn't Jew was classified as a Gentile. That's a very generalization. And then there was this matter of something called circumcision. All Jewish men were circumcised. Gentile men were not circumcised. And I don't think I need to go into the explanation of circumcision. But basically, Gentiles were considered by uh, everybody as being a low-class, distant, unlovable by God. Jews hated Gentiles, called them dogs. They considered them offensive and unworthy of God. They refused to eat with them and they would buy nothing from a Gentile trader that was not washed ceremoniously. And then God did something. God completely turned that understanding worldview on its head. God accepted Gentiles, non-Jews, into the church and made it very plain that the church that Jesus has come to build is a church that was completely inclusive of Jew and Gentile. That didn't go down very well with the Jewish believers. Many of them uh, objected to the fact that these Gentiles weren't circumcised and began to go around to uh, different Gentile churches like the church in Ephesus and told them that God was not happy with them, would not accept them unless they were circumcised. And then we read this in... Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. Remember 
that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that, not, that done to the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So the Jewish circumcision crowd were trying to build a wall to say that there needs to be a separation between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. But Paul is saying there is no wall because Jesus has pulled it down. It doesn't exist any longer. This is what we read in uh, the book of Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is no slave nor free, no male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Having been party to something that was so um, set apart and uh, almost sanctified in a way, knowing that there was no riffraff and rubbish coming in, and suddenly finding that you've got to accept everybody, just caused a massive issue. And Paul decides that it's right for that to be addressed. To drive home the point, later on in the book of Ephesians, he says these words. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul's making it very clear. There's no divisions. There is unity. But you see, the thing about it is, once the church started and the building blocks that looked a little bit uh, shabby and not fit for purpose start to mold together and fit perfectly then Satan looks around and he says what can I do to bring about division and he works wonders He's the prince of lies and his desire is to huff and to puff until the church is blown down. And what we've got to recognize as the children of God, as the family of God, as the church of Jesus Christ is we've got to recognize the way he does it because ultimately if we recognize the way that he does it we can come on the offensive against it. There should be no division amongst you. That's the call for each and every one of us, recognizing there shouldn't be any division amongst us. Paul, as he's writing to Ephesus, is trying to reiterate again and again that we are one. And because we are one, we accept everyone. And in accepting everyone, we recognize that we, as God's family, as we leave this place today and head home to wherever we are living, every single person that we pass, every person that we set eyes on and looks us in the face, is a potential member of God's formidable family. 
just as we started our service and we were talking to the children, it's about talking about Jesus. It's about making sure people are aware of who we follow. I was away last Sunday um, speaking at a church near Farnborough and a lovely bunch of people, great time I had. But I left you here in the care of uh, my wife who brought a word. Was that all right? Okay. But I also left you in the care of my son and my daughter-in-law. And if you listen to the testimony that they shared, and if you didn't listen to it, you need to get on YouTube and take note of what God is saying to them. Because here's the deal. We would sit here and think to ourselves, it's all right for them stepping out on a limb and doing what they're doing. But that's exactly what God wants you to do too. Exactly what he wants. When we start prioritizing, we say we've got to have this and we've got to have that and then we have that and then we'll make some space for God here. That's when he moves from the position of Lord of all to not Lord at all. And what Paul says to us in the book of Ephesians is reflect again about who you are and what God has done for you. He's taken you out of the place of darkness. He's brought you into light. He's taken you from the place of being lost and going to spend an eternity in the depths of hell. And he's brought you into the privileged position by being seated in the heavenly places with him in Christ. It's just phenomenal. And therefore God says, prioritize. Make sure that I am on the throne. Make sure that you are looking out for the world around you and offering opportunity for people to come to know me as their Lord and their Savior. There's an amazing thing that's happening this summer. There is a team of excited, enthusiastic people, it's a small team, who are saying, let's feed people. Let's feed people, let's lay on a meal, we'll pay the price, and we'll feed people every Tuesday evening through August. The only thing about it is, we need more people. Because the more people that we have, the greater the opportunity it is for us to interact and to talk about and to share the faith that we have. You see, if you never get to meet people, you'll never get to talk about Jesus. And sometimes you talk about Jesus and sometimes you just are Jesus. Because you're kind and you're loving, you're encouraging, you're compassionate, you have a listening ear. And then when somebody asks you the question, what does your faith mean to you? You have a doorway of opportunity. You haven't had to preach it. You've just had to live it. And then the door of opportunity opens. I, I, I mean, for me, it's really, really, really easy. Because, you know, being a rev, it's so simple. But in reality, it's simple for all of us. Because God's given you contacts that he's not given to me. He gives you opportunity that he doesn't give to me. And ultimately what Paul is saying through these scriptures in Ephesians is don't allow 
a barrier to be built. Drop the barriers, knock down the walls of division, and make sure that Basingstoke Baptist Church is a light to the community that surrounds us. And the way that that happens is when people like you and people like me build connections. Connections that allow us to share our faith. Mahatma Gandhi, he rejected Christianity because Christians rejected him. He'd heard about Jesus, he liked what he'd heard, so he went to church one Sunday. But he didn't look like they did, and he didn't act like they did, and they didn't talk like he did. So they told him to go down the street to a different place where people looked like him. He reportedly said, if this is how Christians treat others, I'm going to stay a Hindu. And when you think of somebody like Gandhi, who loved Jesus, but really hated his bride, loved Jesus, disliked the way the bride behaved, if his experience had been completely different, that his encounter with Jesus' people had endorsed what he heard about Jesus, what could have happened to India through that one man's influence? So it's down to you and to me. You very well be the, might be the Mahatma Gandhi of your street. Willing to share the love of Christ to those who don't know. Breaking down all of the barriers and recognizing that God is building his church out of misfits like us. Therefore, everybody is included. This um, beautiful verse from Galatians just reminds us that We are all in Christ. Because we are all in Christ, we are part of God's family. We're not just part of a movement, part of a church, we're part of a family. And as a family, we want to grow. One of the prayers that is prayed over couples that get married, and this is what happened yesterday, is that the marriage would be a coming together and a blessing over the couple and that their relationship would be a solid foundation for any children that they would have in the future. And God speaks that over each and every one of us. As we are members of his family, as he draws us in, he doesn't draw us in to be the numbers we are. He draws us in to multiply so that we would grow. Because scripture reminds us that he doesn't want anybody to be lost. When Jesus died on the cross, he died once and for all, for all. So whatever the barriers that you have put up, take them down. Recognize that God is building his church with people like us. And take hold of the challenge. What can I do to build a bridge to share the love of Jesus with the community that God has placed me in? And that may very well be topping up jugs of water 
on tables on a Tuesday night. It might very well be having a conversation with somebody that you've never met before, but because you've shown an interest in them, they've shown an interest in you, and you may just be able to say, can I tell you about my Jesus? Let's pray. We want to thank you, Lord, that you've called us together as your church in this community. And our prayer is that by the power of your Holy Spirit in us, we might be the instrument used by you to tell others of your amazing love. We put aside all prejudices. We remove all barriers. We drop all walls. And say, Lord, we're just going to follow you. Help us to walk in step with your Holy Spirit. That we might share your love. And see your family grow in this place. For your honor and glory. Amen.